0: All right, we're going to be in today, the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. I'm still not sure that this is going to be the final title of the series, but you'll get the idea, I think, as we move along. What the Lord has kind of laid on my heart is I want to speak to you all for the next few weeks about your ministry. How many ministers do we have in the congregation today? one, two, three, four, (laughs) where it's growing, right? Everyone sitting in the pew or standing by in the pulpit or up in the sound booth today is a minister. And what I want you to think about, maybe more than you have recent months, I want you to really think about over the next few weeks is what is your ministry? What are you made to do? Today, we're going to kind of look at how the Lord has set things up from the scripture so we have a good foundation as we kind of launch off into this series. But what we're going to talk about a lot in the next few weeks is the differences between the sacred and the secular. What is sacred and what is secular? And then what we're going to talk about, especially for most of us here, is how are we ministering in our world, whether your world is school, your world is work, your world is your neighborhood, maybe your world is just your home with your spouse. But I want you to really think and to pray about ministry. Lord, what is my ministry and how am I living out uh, that service for you? And I think if you will listen, the Lord will empower you. And I think you're going to see some really good things, some fruitful things come. From this time, So let's start together. We're going to be in Ephesians. We're going to go verses 7 through 16, chapter 4. But for the starter, we're going to start in verse 11. Just do 11 through 13 to get started off with today. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11, the Word of God says this, And he, that being Christ, gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers... For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let me read that last verse again. This is the goal. This is what God wants of cross life. This is what he wants of any local church that is going to be a healthy church. You guys, if there's nothing else I could convey to you, this is my desire for our church, is that we be healthy. I don't care how big we are. I don't care how small we are. I do care that we are healthy. And we're getting there, but we're not there yet. And we need some help in that. And I think the Lord can encourage us in that. Look at verse 13. Till we all, till we all come In the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Christ is the head of the church. We are the body. And God has a plan for it all to be a healthy, strong, full, statured body. And that's his desire for us, okay? How are you living out your ministry? Have you ever been somewhere or been around someone outside of a church setting where you really felt like that they were doing ministry in their normal everyday occupation? So my brother was truck shopping. He he gets these really high mile cars and he drives them forever until the wheels fall off. And so his most recent little blue truck, it was about done for. So he was shopping, and he was shopping, believe it or not, for a Titan. <laughs> So he's looking all over, trying to get deals, and he was checking all the mileage and the gas mileage, and does it have four-wheel drive, does it have a towing package, blah, blah. You know, it's all the pain that it is, right? And he ended up going to this little car dealership by where he lives, and when he walked in the door, one of the signs basically said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, that was kind of interesting, (laughs) And he sits down with the first guy. And the first guy begins, he was like a really a new Christian, been saved about a year. And he begins to just start telling them about the Lord, and how the Lord's been good to him while he's trying to buy this truck. And you have to know my brother, he never makes a quick decision. So he's probably going to make about eight or 10 visits. You know, that's just how he works. But he's like, so, okay, got the original details. And uh, then he came back the next time, he said, and he sat down at another desk, different guy, dealing with this, this time, about the same vehicle. And this guy just began to unload on him about his, how his marriage was struggling. And he, was, he didn't think the kids knew about it, but he was sleeping on the couch and things just weren't good. But this is what he told Corey. He said, but my church family has been amazing. And they had been there for him and were praying with him and were walking through him with this difficult time. And he, he goes, I don't know why I'm telling you all this. And I'm thinking, because he's a pastor and you don't know that. <laughs> And this guy just keeps sharing all this stuff with Corey. And finally, when they ended up, they were, Corey said that he would pray for him in this situation. And Corey said, it was the weirdest feeling, but I felt like I was doing ministry while I was trying to buy a vehicle. Well, anyway, what my brother said was that he ended up having four contacts with the four guys at this dealership and every one of them had mentioned their church while they were trying to sell him a vehicle. And he's like, that had to be a God thing. So long story short, he did buy the truck there from them, which is amazing for my brother if you know all the decision process he goes through. But what an amazing opportunity for people to share their faith at their work. Most of us wouldn't probably think of a used car salesman as being a minister, right? They have a reputation, some of them, right? Maybe you guys know used car salesman that you love, but that's kind of their connotation sometimes when you hear them, right? What I want you to think about today is just like those guys who were trying to sell vehicles, were sharing their testimony, were sharing their uh, faith in the Lord, were sharing the importance of their church. How can you do that in your world? I think you're with me right now, right? That's what I want you to pray about for the next few weeks and today. And we're going to look as we go through the scriptures about God at work where that sacred invades that secular space and God does some transforming things because that's what we need. I wish we could just put up a sign that said, Cross Life Church, all are welcome and hundreds of people will come through the doors. But you guys probably know by now that doesn't really work like that, does it? And you guys even know sometimes it was interesting, even our little planning meeting, Bella was like, they just don't listen. (laughs) You ever feel like that? You try to share your faith and they just don't listen. But what I'm sharing with you today through the Lord is that if we will be ministers in our world, that we will, the Lord will provide opportunities and his spirit will go before us and we will see some lives change. I'm guaranteeing that because that's what the word of God says, okay? Let's look at how the Lord has set things up and how he wants us to be ministers, how he wants us to work. So let's go back to verse 7, Ephesians chapter 4, again, not my words, but the Lord. So you can really be encouraged <clears throat> about how he wants things to work even in our local church. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Verse 11, here we go again. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. First thing I want you to see from verse seven this morning, and I know some of you doubt this, and that's why I'm repeating it, so you will hear it. Each of us are given gifts as Christ sees fit. Everybody here today, young or old, no matter your income, no matter your race, no matter where your background is, everybody here today, is been given a gift and you're given a gift as the Lord sees fit. The Lord knows your strengths and he knows your weaknesses and he has fashioned you in the way that fits you. The Lord has not called me to work on cars. Praise the Lord. Every time I try to work on a car, bad things happen, people. But the Lord has helped me for whatever reason to work on technology And it's so funny when my dad and I get together, because my dad can fix so many things, but you put a piece of technology in his hand that he wants to put it out of his hand in about a minute because he's so frustrated with it. (laughs) And I'm just the opposite. If you put technology in my hand, it's like, oh, I want to figure it out. I want to sort it out. But if I've got to, I'm going to try to install some lights here with my dad. You guys need to pray for the preacher, okay? Because that is not my giftedness. I'm outside of my realm. Uh, One person, uh, Max Dupree, had this illustration. I thought it was good. A whale is as unique as a cactus. Those are two very unique things. But don't ask a whale to survive Death Valley, (laughs) right? It isn't going to work. We all have special spiritual gifts. When and where we use them determines whether we actually complete something. So be careful about that today. First off today, I want you to know that God has gifted you and the Lord even changes our gifting sometimes throughout our life. Right, I mean, obviously there's some things that I can't do today that I could do 30 years ago, and all of you as well. But follow the Lord's lead and use the gifts as he's given. The next thing I want you to see this morning, we need to be careful about judging people by their giftedness. This is really something we need to beware of. Um, Oftentimes people who have gifts that are shown on the stage are judged to be more spiritual when really they just have gifts that are more prone to display, right? Everybody today, you can see my hands, right? Praise the Lord, you cannot see my toes today. Some of you guys have done foot washing, you know why, right? Okay, <laughs> right? My feet are covered, but my hands are seen. Well, the things that are covered sometimes, you don't pay attention to them as much, do you, right? But the things you can see, you really pay attention to that. And sometimes we develop a gift envy. you ever had gift envy? I have. I've had for preachers that are like, man, that guy, is, I wish I could preach like that. Or somebody that can sing. Yes, I love to sing, but I'm not a good singer. But I just love to sing. And I hear somebody that's really good, and I'm like, man, I wish I could sing like that. They are really, really spiritually gifted. Or to teach, or to play, right? And what happens sometimes in churches is that anybody that's up on the stage, because they're more visible... Then people have sometimes can have gift envy over this, those things, or they're thought to be more spiritual, maybe than they really are. How important is it that somebody cleans the restrooms at CrossLife? Please, thank the Lord for people who are willing to clean a toilet, right? How important is it that somebody plays with that crazy soundboard so that people can hear, right? Or somebody mops the family room, or somebody vacuums a classroom or paints a room, or puts up a light bulb, or cleans the, puts up one of these light bulbs, right? Praise the Lord for people like my dad who will climb up a ladder and stick on top of there and change those light bulbs out. We don't often see those people, do we? And we may neglect in our gratitude for them sometimes because they are not as visible. The reminder to us today is be careful about judging people by their giftedness. Remember, God gives different gifts to different people. Max Lucado said this, he said, someone can be a good third baseman, but not a good pitcher. If I'm called to play third base, I'm gonna be the best third baseman I can be. It was a liberating moment when I realized I didn't have to be great at everything. Can I be transparent with you for a second? Okay. Your preacher is a terrible evangelist, but I am called to do the work of an evangelist. I'm not an evangelist, but through the scriptures, the Lord reminds me that I'm supposed to be about that work. So I'm gonna do that work the best I can, but that's not my giftedness. And I recognize that. If you look at my ministry, well, usually what I've done is I've taken people and I help disciple and develop them and grow them spiritually, grow their faith, grow up our kids to follow the Lord. But as far as going, grabbing lots of new people, I'm just not really, that's not my strength. And so what I have to do is lean on other people to do those things. And I got to do the things that I'm good at to help grow the kingdom. Now, in a small church, what do we find out? Everybody's gotta do a little bit of everything, right? You might say today, well, my giftedness is not cleaning toilets. But everybody's gotta step in, right? My giftedness may not be singing, but I'm so thankful for three people who get up here every Sunday, and maybe they think they're gifted at it, and they are, maybe they don't. I'm just so glad that they do the job, right? Somebody said, my giftedness is not running the soundboard, but I do the, I do the work. But as we grow, what we want to do is we want to make sure, and even now we want to make sure that we put people where their strengths are. And we develop them. And I want to challenge you with this. Are we developing the gifts in our kids? The Lord's been working that on my heart. We need to start identifying the gifts because probably if we were to sit down and talk a little bit, we could have a pretty good idea of the giftedness the Lord has already given to Bella and to David and Jacob and Dasha and Leah, right? And we want to make sure that we help hone their skills. If they have musical ability and we have an opportunity to help train them in that ability, we need to do that. If maybe they just need help with their reading and writing because the Lord's going to use those gifts for them to do something in the future, Or maybe they have opportunity, they have good skills with technical stuff. Uh, Lord willing, I've been praying about it. Andrew, I think, is going to help me learn the soundboard in the next few weeks. And so we're going to try to help develop him in that skill set. And that's a small thing, right? What we really want to see people is them reaching out and praying for people when we go to help the homeless or in a nursing home. That's where the big stuff is. But these are small steps where we want to develop our young people. Hear me today and you be a part of this. You will help identify gifts in the people in this place and you help me as I try to equip all of us with the Lord's power to accomplish what he has for us. If we are to be one, we've got to get rid of gift envy and really appreciate the gifts that God has given us as individuals. Do you appreciate the gifts that are already in this place? Man, I do. We have a lot of gifted people. We have a lot of really compassionate people. We have a lot of skilled people. And we have a lot of generous people with their time and their talent and their tithe. Praise the Lord for the giftedness we have here, right? Again, a quick reminder, everybody has a gift. Nobody is giftless. The question is, what are you going to do with a gift or the gifts you've been given? Christ gives of his riches. So think about that just for a second. <laughs> Who is the gift giver? The ultimate gift giver is the wealthiest person in the universe. He's the one giving out the gifts. The Lord says in James, every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, from whom there is no shifting or turning. Christ is the one who gives his riches. In this passage, it has this kind of uh, military picture. You can see there in verse 8, excuse me, it says, that's why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train, and he gave gifts to men. In other words, it's kind of like when the military went out and conquered they come back in for the parade this is that idea that in his train like he is a conquering king he's coming back and he's delivering the spoils and the spoils are the gifts that he has given us to build up his church and i want you to see that we're not going to spend a lot of time there but verses seven through ten look at who it is that is giving the gifts if god gave you a gift you think you better use it what happened to the guy who stuck his talent in the ground wasn't pretty, was it? Right? He lost that talent. Basically, he got thrown in with the jail or thrown in where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you, are you wasting your gift today? I hope that you're not. I don't think that you are. But I would challenge you to be careful in that, right? The Lord, Jesus, is the one who has given the gift. The one who ascended and descended. <laughs> this is the one. Verse 11. He is the one who set things up. So look how he has set things up. Let's take just a little time there in verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. So this is how the Lord has set up his church. Do we have any apostles here today? For the Apostle Paul, Apostle Peter? Do we have an apostle? Anyone else? All right, this is a little penology, but I think it's based on the scripture. That is the truth that I think the apostles stop with Paul. The Apostles were the initial foundation to set up the beginning work of the church. Now, I still see um, the word apostle means to be sent. And so I still see missionaries today as definitely part of God's plan. But literally here, these apostles, I think, were the foundation. They were that first 12 and Apostle Paul who would begin that early work of the church. Then he says, the Lord has given prophets. We ain't prophets here today. If you remember, it wasn't too long ago. We talked a little bit. I think on Wednesday nights. There's two kinds of prophecy. Okay, there's a foretelling, and there's a forthtelling. A foretelling is if I could say, in two weeks, uh, I'm prophesying. I'm not doing this, but if I were doing this, that the government shutdown will end and it's going to open up doors here and here and here. Okay. And if that came to pass, then you could say, oh, that guy was a prophet. He said this would happen in the future, and it did. But the other type of prophecy is forthtelling. And that is when you proclaim the truth of God in a context where God's spirit is leading. And so to that end, on some, to some extent, and again, I'm not saying that I'm a foretelling a prophet, but as a foretelling, I have definitely gave God's word in context, especially in the jail setting. I've seen the Lord been there, and different of our guys in our team have done the same thing. They'd have been able to declare the truths of God in a context that was fitting, where the Lord was leading by his spirit. It was a powerful thing. Well, what I do believe is that there are still prophets today, and there will be people that will come in uh, from time to time who will foretell the word of God in a proper context. And to some extent, and I think this will still happen in the future, but there will probably be prophets who will foretell, but you'll know by the evidence of their prophecy if they are legitimate or not. Then look at the next group, evangelists, evangelists. Now, in Freo Baptist, we have some people who say they're called to be evangelists. What do they do? They preach. Do they preach at the same church all the time? No. These types of evangelists, they love to go around and they help. Usually they do revivals or they do some types of special meetings. And in these meetings, their main focus is to do what? They want to see people come to Christ. Brother Todd Masters, who was with us a year ago in the fall, is an evangelist. He has evangelist gifting. Now, he is pastoring right now, which surprises me. He's doing a really good job pastoring. But his gifting is all about going, and he still does that. They travel a ton even while he's pastoring. They travel around. He preaches in meetings to see people saved. And that's where his gifting is. And he is part of God's foundation for the church to help grow the church. We need evangelists, don't we? Man, we definitely need evangelists. We need people who are out there uh, sowing the seed and also reaping the harvest. And probably the evangelist is the one who does more reaping than sowing. So people like Philip and Titus and Timothy and Luke, uh, they would be evangelists, and we have evangelists in our, our own day. And then look at that next grouping, and this is kind of important, and they're put together. He says that there are pastors and teachers. So everything else, there's a comma. Did you notice that, right? Apostles, comma. Prophets, comma. Evangelists, comma. Pastors and teachers. Because usually these giftings, they go together. What you usually find is that preachers, pastors, and teachers, they have that same gifting. It's like a shepherd. It is a very clear picture. Again today, so you also have been given the gifts to help build the church. And what I want to get after is, how are you using those gifts that you have been given? Let's look down at verse 12, and we'll go 12 through uh, 16. So God has given these gifts to the church. Look in verse 12. To prepare God's people, which will be all of us, for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up or edified until we all reach unity in the faith, And in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, look at verse 15. Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Excuse me. So again, the ultimate goal is this body attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, becoming everything that God wants it to be. Here is a picture of a healthy church. So you heard me a while ago, right? I was telling you earlier, that's what I want to see for Cross Life. Now let's look together and you can see these steps. This is a healthy church. How does it happen? First thing, saints are equipped. Saints are equipped. What does it mean to be equipped? Have you ever tried to do a job with the wrong tool? Okay, at school we have these iPads, and kids stick their headphones in the iPads, and then they'll do all kinds of stuff with their headphones, or they close it up in a book, or close it up in their case, stick it in their backpack. And guess what happens to those headphone jacks? They get broke off in the iPad. Now initially, you know what we were doing most of the time? We were getting dental tools, we were getting skinny needle nose pliers, we were sticking little nails and pins and doing whatever we could to shake and dig and try to get that crazy thing out of there until one day, somebody sent me this thing right here. This is a tool That is meant to go in the headphone jack of an iPad. You twist it and turn it, flip the iPad upside down, twist and turn some more. And people that are good at it, I'm getting better at it. When you yank on it, guess what happens to the headphone jack? It clears up, and the headphone that's broken off in there, it comes right out. If you have the right tool for the job, you can be a lot more effective, right? You might get a headphone jack out with some dental tools. (laughs) You might do it with needle nose pliers. But if you've got the right tool for a job, you're gonna be a lot more effective. How much more so if the people of God are equipped according to their ability, according to their strength to do the Lord's work, right? If instead of having Travis trying to fix a car, you've got him working on a computer or a graphic design, you're going to have a lot more effectiveness there, right? Put Robert on the car, put Travis on the computer. In the same way spiritually we want to do that as well. Some some of you have great gifts of hospitality. I can kind of speak to Central and Esther because they're not here today. They have a hospitality gift through the roof. Unbelievable. We need to make sure that we're helping equip them in that and use that gifting they have to grow the kingdom of God. And we have people that love kids in our church, don't we, right? We want to make sure we're equipping them and teaching them so that they're prepared. Anyway, we want to make sure that the saints are equipped in a healthy church One of the things that's happening is saints are equipped. And I want to help you as you think about being a minister for Christ. So today and the next few weeks, I would love if you would come up to me and you'd say, Preacher, I really think this is my ministry. And tell me what it is. Tell me how it is at your work or in your neighborhood or what you want to accomplish. And I will pray with you about it. And I'm going to try to help equip you to become what the Lord would have you be. The next thing I want you to see is the saints perform ministry. Who are the Saints? Don't tell me a football team from New Orleans. Who are the Saints? Who's the church? You guys are the church. You're the Saints. You're like preacher. Don't call me an old saint. My wife does not like my grammar. I'm sure when I just said that. Don't call me a saint. All right? I'm not. I'm not that good. The Scripture says that the church is made up of the saints. And what's interesting, if you read this passage, be careful here, the preacher's not trying to get an excuse, but I want you to pay attention. The Lord gave pastors and teachers to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Who's doing the work of the ministry? The saints. Now, as a saint too, part of the church, I have work to do as well, okay? I'm not getting off the hook. But what happens in some churches is the preacher decides he's going to be the dictator, and he's also going to be the micromanager, and so he's going to do all of the work. How effective is a church where only the preacher is doing all the work? It's going to just flail, isn't it? Right? If the preacher's the only one who goes to the altar, if the preacher's the only one who plays the music, if the preacher's the only one who does the mows the grass, the preacher's the only one who paints the building, the preacher does all the stuff. It's not going to go very far at all. Our church would have failed four years ago (laughs) if it had been the preacher doing all the stuff. It's not going to happen, right? God, through Jesus, equips the saints through the pastors and teachers to do the work of the ministry. So again, I want to challenge you this morning. It's not the job of the pastor or teacher to do the work of the ministry. It's the body that is doing the ministry. What happens when the body does the ministry? The body is, the word is edified. And this is kind of what's really interesting. This word edified literally means the healing up of a broken bone. And that's really kind of what we're doing, aren't we? There's a lot of broken bones out there in the world, isn't there? Lord, we know, right? And a lot of us had broken bones when we came to the Lord, didn't we? And the Lord began a healing work in our heart, and he began to mend and tend to that bone until it could be what it's supposed to be, right? And if you guys saw any of that stuff from to a tongue of They've developed something down in Birmingham that he was one of the first people to have that surgery on his ankle. And the things that he could do after that bone is being supported and held up and, and edified, literally, like this word here is talking about. He's amazing what he's able to do when that bone is where it needs to be. You guys, there's a lot of broken bones out there in the world. and The Lord wants to use us to build them up. So pray about what's your part in building up and being healing to those people that need it. Unity becomes reality in a healthy church. And I feel really good about our church right now. A lot of times in a small church, that can go pretty well if you'll let the Lord do it. As you get larger, sometimes it's a little more difficult because you just add more personality, right? But the Lord will help us, but we want to strive for unity. Excuse me. A church that is not unified will not be edified. Did you catch that? A church that is not unified will not be edified. They have to be together. Maturity will become the norm and not the exception. This is a challenge to me, and I've really been thinking about this even in my past ministries, and you guys think about this today. What we hope to see is more and more lives being changed, and this will also mean more baby Christians, right? If more people are being reborn, we're going to see more, ki- more not just kids, but more spiritual kids, more people that are coming in that have a lot of growing to do. But also, what we should be seeing over time is more believers arriving at maturity in their Christian walk. Think about this with me today. Are you making godly decisions? Are you submitted, surrendered, and obeying the constant call of God on your life? If you've been a Christian for more than 20 years, are you still making the same poor choices you were 20 years ago, or are you growing? To be honest with you guys, this is how I'm going to judge myself when I'm done here, whenever the Lord says I'm done here. I'm going to look back at the people that were here, and I hope to see that from the time I was able to spend with them over a time period, that their walk with the Lord was vibrant and they were growing. I hope that in 20 years that you're still not in the same spot you were when I came here in 2014. That will break my heart. Right? And it does the same for the Lord whenever we say we know him, but we never grow. We need to see maturing believers becoming the norm. And this next one is really tri- tricky. We've talked about it before and probably from this very passage. We need the truth to be spoken in love. Notice the truth is the key here. Anybody can speak in love, right? Oh, you're wonderful. You're beautiful. Oh, you're kind. You're, you're great. Love to be around you. But who is the friend who will tell you that you need to put some deodorant on? Right? Who is the friend that will tell you you need to zip up your pants? Right? You need to comb your hair. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever not wanted to be that person? <laughs> you see someone like that and you're like, somebody needs to tell them. And you always say, well, somebody should do that, and you never are the person that does, right? But how good does it feel when somebody finally tells you, hey, you need to take care of that and you fix it, and then you're like, oh, thank you, right? If I didn't have my wife, you guys, what the mess that I would be. Even today, I don't even have the right clothes on. And she still is trying to make things better for me. We'll talk about that later. All right? We need people who will speak the truth in love. Can you have the courage to do that? That is a challenge. We should really value those relationships in which somebody loves us enough to speak the truth in care and Compassion. And I want to challenge you on this a little bit today, even in our own church. Do you think that we're speaking the truth in love? And I'm not telling you to go around and analyze everyone and pick out all their flaws, but every now and then the Lord will prompt you by his spirit for somebody that you love to say, hey, I'm a little worried about you. Can I pray for you in this area? Can I help you in your walk here? Let's talk about this a little bit. People that you're close to, we need to do that. And a healthy church has people doing that. The body grows as it should when each part does its work. When uh, a part of your body was broken, was it the only part that suffered? Right. My, I talk about my, br- my brother Corey and the truck buying experience. Well, his daughter Lily last, uh, maybe it was in April or May. She's playing soccer, and her leg broke it broke like in two. I mean, it was horrible. And she had like that same procedure that the guy from Louisville, if you remember, a few years ago when his leg broke on the court. It was just nasty. Well, she had that exact same procedure done to her leg. Okay, And it was broken really bad. Well, what happens when that's broken? What happens to the rest of your body? Does everything else just go on like normal? <laughs> no. Now all of a sudden, this thing's got to really compensate, doesn't it, right? Even your brain has to work a little differently to figure out what am I going to do till this heals up. And again, hear me out today. I'm not trying to lay the huge guilt trip on you, but I want you to understand and think about this. What if God is calling you to do something as part of our local church and you're not exercising your gift? What does that mean for the rest of the body? We could be struggling because you're not doing your part, right? Again, I hope you hear me at the right attitude this morning, okay? But some people come to church thinking that, well, church is only for them to get something and to go out. That is not the case, is it? The church is a body, and so you should come to give something. How well are you going to give something if you have been up till four in the morning before you come to the house of God? Hello, preacher talking to himself a little bit here too, right? Do you sometimes come here all worn out and tired? Well, I need to show up. That's what I need to do. How much energy and life and vigor are you bringing to your family when you don't come ready? You can't always come ready, right? Sometimes you're sick. Sometimes you have circumstances. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you should be disciplined enough to get the rest and take care of yourself to come in and to help serve and feed people. And instead, you just show up. Lord, help us there, right? We need people that will come to see that they can give. And you guys give so much when you come. When you come and smile and share and shake hands and hug necks, you guys, you know how happy it makes me to hear those two little girls singing this morning and them give me a fist bump on their way down? That makes my day. I love that. And they are doing their part in the work of God, and we're going to grow them up in that Lord willing, right? Are you coming to give and to do your part of ministry even here? All right, we'll finish up this morning. I've been talking so much, but my heart is really full today. And hopefully you'll kind of get an idea of where we're headed And we're going to talk specifically about your uh, work in the world, not just your work at church in the next few weeks. If you want to be a mature believer and a healthy part of our church, we are going to expect some things from you. How do you like this? What? Yeah, we have expectations. And we need to share this with people who come and visit our church. We expect people that want to be a part of Cross Life, we want them to faithfully attend a corporate worship service. It's great if you come four or five times a year to church. That's nice, isn't it? <laughs> but if you want to help this body become what it needs to be, then we need you to be here when we meet together. Amen? Yeah. There'll be exceptions. I to get that. But as a whole, you need to be a faithful, regular attender. We expect you to come, and not just to come, but to come and to worship. Hear me out here. Especially you guys that don't sing. We need to sing out, we need to engage. We need to worship the Lord when we come. Second thing, you need to faithfully attend a small group. And even in our little bitty church, we have opportunities, different opportunities for small group, okay? You can come on Sunday morning and today, even today, our lesson, Rick did a good job again guiding us. We looked at wisdom with our mouth. It was a good lesson, good content. And if you come ready and listening, the Lord will speak to you every Sunday in that Sunday school classroom. I guarantee it. All right? If you'll come, the content is there for you to grow, an opportunity for you to grow with each other. Now, if you can't do Sunday morning, or maybe Sunday morning you're doing Sunday school, something like that, we also have a Wednesday night, which is like my favorite thing ever, because I can eat with people I love, and then we can talk about the scriptures together. I still don't know why there's not 3,000 people here on Wednesday nights. That's like my favorite thing. Who would not want to have a good meal with people you love and study the word of God? I love it. That's what I'm built for. And so if that's your part and that's your small group, that's fine too. I'm just saying we have multiple opportunities. And as people come, we want to encourage them. Maybe you know some people today that they only come on Sunday for worship, but they don't ever come to Sunday school or they don't ever come to Wednesday night. Tell them what you like about those things. Don't guilt them. Don't nag them, but say, hey, we've been doing this and I've been really growing. I just want to encourage you. If you have opportunity, I think you might like this. So think about those things. And then third, and this one I'm so proud of our whole church again, you are going to have opportunity, but what we expect you to do is faithfully serve your community within a service activity. You can call this evangelization. Hopefully, we have opportunity to really speak the gospel, but we've been doing different things with this as well, haven't we, right? We'll have different opportunities. We've done a few things with the food pantry, right? We've, done, we've been a lot more with the homeless in recent times, okay? Lord willing, we'll have some different opportunities with... Um, The uh, pro life shelters, and maybe with our refugee things, with nursing homes. We're gonna have different ways for you to serve. And so you need to take advantage of those things. And it seems like so many times one of the answers to our questions as we go through our lessons is that if we'll faithfully serve, we begin to see our need for God in those situations, and we really begin to grow with one another. So take advantage of those opportunities. All right. If you're worshiping, if you're being edified, if you're sharing the gospel, You are being a part, a healthy part of our church. And then from there on, all that we would expect is for you to go and live your life as a light in the world. Now, that's such a short statement, but it's what we're going to focus on over the next few weeks. What does it mean for you to live your life as a light in your world? So we're going to look at God in the workplace and God in your neighborhood, and we're going to look at the difference between sacred and and secular and put those things together. Please pray for us as we lay out these things. If you would stand this morning, I'm asking you just a few questions and then I'll play and we'll have our time of prayer. First thing I want to ask you this morning is, do you know what your gifts are? Do you know what your gifts are? And if you need some help with that, maybe you could have some people that love you sit around with you and just talk a little bit. It was really awesome one night. I think i took a picture of the paper, but we passed around a paper on Wednesday night and we had everybody brag about what they saw as the strengths of the people around the table. And when we read those things, it was just so uplifting. And it was a reminder that everybody had a gift to give. Do you know what your gifts are? Maybe you need to pray and sit with some friends uh, and talk about those things together and have the Lord direct in that. What is your ministry? Your preacher has different ministries. Um, You guys here trying to live and love and serve with you and walk together in life with you is my main ministry. But I also have a ministry in my job. And I'm trying to be a light and a witness and encouragement and hopefully a gospel share where I am there at Noblesville Schools. And then really the other thing I do is I try to be a light at the jail. And then um, probably as it changes over time, but my home was my ministry, especially when my kids were little, try to develop them. And as they get older, I still wanna have impact on them, but it all kind of shifts, right? Those are just some examples. Where is your ministry today? Where do you have opportunity to be a minister? And I want you to think about that and uh, ask the Lord to guide you in that. And then finally, and that's what I want to challenge you with, are you doing your part to help this body? And again, you guys, I'm preaching to the choir here, right? You're here on Sunday morning, been here at Sunday school. You help out, you're generous, you're kind, you do all kinds of different jobs, as called upon. But as the Lord leads, are you doing your part to help this body become all that God wants it to be? And so maybe today your prayer is for yourself, or maybe today your prayer is for one of those kids that we would discover their giftings, that we would equip them with the tools they need to really magnify the Lord and be filled with great joy. All right. Let's just take a little time together, and you can pray about your gifts, your ministry, and pray for our own church and how that works together. And just pray the Lord will build us all up to the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ.